When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you like the great outdoors? Are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP. Guys, we are back live here at the BHP podcast on stage at the 32nd Annual Woods and Water Show and uh, joined here by uh, Fred Saber from Winging Shots, man. I've been, I've been actually looking for you. I've been talking to these guys for a couple weeks when we started planning this all out, saying I got to come over there. I got to talk to them. Hopefully they'll come on um, because you got some really good stuff going on. Um, one, of the, one of the premier dog trainers in the area. I know you guys are always at that show. And I, you know, what I wanted to take a couple minutes to do is just tell us a little bit about what you do. So you guys, you guys do everything from training to boarding and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, basically, um, uh, we got started training bird dogs. So we kind of spired off from bird dogs to obedience dogs, extreme obedience, from extreme obedience to therapy dogs. So right now we're doing uh, quite a bit of the therapy work for the school districts throughout the state of Michigan. Uh, obviously, our mainstay is bird dogs. That's that's our passion. Our passion is the pointing dog, the retrieving dog, waterfall dogs. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, so with that different type of training that you use, is it different techniques that you use yes. for each set? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yep. So, um, when, when we're working with a pointing dog, obviously we we don't want dogs catching birds. We don't want dogs cheating in. Um, then when you're doing a retrieving dog, a flushing dog, um, it's totally different. You know, you want these dogs to jump in and pound these birds. Yeah. So, yes, there's definitely different techniques for both. Yeah, so, so just a little shout-out. You guys actually trained my dog. Um, last year, I think I got him in, into you guys uh, in November. He spent a month there, and uh, what an amazing job you guys did. Oh, thank I mean, you. you guys came out. I mean, he, he was he's a German short hair uh, coon hound. Yeah, yeah. marking-wise, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but, no, great, great, great instinct on him. And uh, when he came back from when, I got, from when I got him, I mean, it was just it was night and day. And he was a great dog before, right? I mean, sure. good obedience and all that, at least, at least as far as I'm concerned, probably right. not as far as you're concerned. Uh, him in now for training. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. we'll do, start do, it. Do you do people train? Well, yeah, we're going to start you out in the e-collar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's already tried to put that <laughs> no, out. For sure. Uh, for sure. Where, so, where are you located? Where's the training site located? Okay, so we're on, uh, we've got two facilities. One is in Goodrich and one is in Ortonville. They're about six miles apart. Okay. Awesome. So what, what's your background? How did you get into this? Well, basically about 25 years ago, um, I started doing it as a hobby. I love to hunt. I love grouse. I love woodcock, pheasant. That was kind of my game, my hobby. And uh, it became a passion. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm 
traveling all over the country to different pro trainers to find out kind of how they do what they do, what they do, and I seem to have a really good hand at it. Uh, I seem to, you know, I, I just seem to get it, if you will. No matter what techniques you, you use or how you train a dog, be it obedience, waterfowl, pointing dog, if you don't understand the dog, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. So I, I just kind of have a knack for understanding dogs. And and, um, and you, you work with a team of people? I do, yeah. yeah. So how, how many trainers do you So we've you got have? five trainers and myself. Five, okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So uh, everybody's at their own level. Some guys are working puppy stuff. Some guys are using uh, working the finished dogs. Some guys are designated shooters. Uh, so we, we have everybody's got their own job. That's Some awesome. guys are doing the therapy school dogs. Uh, traveling to schools, hospitals, nursing homes uh, to get these dogs conditioned for, um, you know, their job. Awesome, man. Does it take longer to train a therapy dog than it does a hunting dog, or is it about the same time frame? What kind of time frames are we talking about, different types of training for dogs? Okay. So a therapy dog is dropped off at our kennel or our home at about eight weeks of age. We don't turn those dogs over till they're roughly 14 months. So I have okay. these dogs about a year yeah. before they're turned over to school. Uh, so we're dealing with, with children with autism, mm-hmm. Down syndrome, mentally challenged kids. So these dogs have to be a cut above the rest. They have to be talented dogs. Um, your bird dogs, you know, it just depends on what, on what the customer's looking for. If you're looking for a meat dog, just a dog that's going to go out there and and go to pheasant ranches and perform that way. Or if you want a polished, finished, steady gun dog, it's going to take me more like 90 days. Okay. Meat dog, 30 days. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. So there's, and there's different levels of that, right? Yes. I mean, in regards to what people are looking for, yes. what they ask for. So. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to the therapy dog side of it, is there, are there certain breeds that you look for? Yes. Um, so we personally like the labs. Um, and the reason that we like the labs is that they have the disposition that I'm looking for. I also like a dog that's got some size to them. So when you've got a first grader, second grader that's excited and they fall on the dog, the dog's like, yeah, whatever. They, all the he kids can care. roll. It doesn't care. It doesn't hurt them. Now, we do do a lot of Labradoodles, Golden Doodles. Um, they're smaller dogs. Um, and these dogs... Uh, are very, very intelligent, and they fit the bill as well. Okay. That, that's kind of where we stay. That's kind of what we like. Awesome. Yeah. So with, with uh, I'm interested in these therapy dogs. So with a the therapy dog, a person who has a child, let's say, who has autism, yes. they go out and buy a dog and bring it to you? Yes. Or you train a dog and then, and then give it to a family, or how does that work? Okay, both ways. So typically, um, when somebody's interested in a therapy dog and they get a hold of us, we try to send them to the breeders of our choice. And they purchase the dog, bring it to me, and then I see them a year later. Okay. We also have dogs at the kennel that if a breeder has extra dogs, I really like the breeding, I'll go ahead and purchase those dogs, train them, and then when somebody needs a dog on the spot, hopefully I have yeah. one or two I can work with awesome now i i know that um if someone has a bird dog like tim that they have to constantly keep working with that dog to keep his skills up and keep him you know working is that the same type of thing with a therapy dog or pretty much when you turn them loose they're just gonna do what they're supposed to do from then on 
it's a little bit of a labor of love for the first year they get them. So that when they get the, the animal, it's probably about 14, 15 months old. And then for that next year, now what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to get used to their handler, the children at the schools or wherever they're at. Um, and as the handler brings them along, uses the same cues we do, the dog already knows what he's supposed to do. After a year of them owning the dog, uh, they, they kind of get it. So Because they're, they're basically on the job every day where, you know, a bird dog's not. Right, right. right. And, and, and what exactly does a therapy dog do for, let's say, a child with autism? The, f- the first thing they do is they give the kids a calming effect. So children that have these disabilities have a lot of anxiety. They're, they're just off in many different ways. Where a human can't calm them down the way that a dog can. The dog distracts the child, loves the child, and the, do- and the kids feel that. So the kids are all over these dogs as soon as they're brought into a situation. Or you could even take just like the other day, kids went back to school. I got a call from one of my schools. There was a child that was in second grade, did not want to enter the school, wanted to stay in the car with mom. They went and they got the therapy dog. They brought the dog out to the car. The child instantly stopped crying, grabbed onto that harness, and walked right into the school. See you, mom, wow. 3 o'clock. Yeah, wow. that's cool. Yeah. So it's, awesome. it's, it's really a neat thing. That is awesome. So, a um, little bit of, like about the bird dog. So there, there's a lot, there, and, and not necessarily bird dog, but but just hunting dogs in um, general. Because do you do scent training as well, where where you're at, or is it? Are you mostly just basically gun bird hunting? Scent meaning meaning scent, blood trail like training. Yeah, tra- like blood trail, shed, shed hunting, all of that. Kind Absolutely. Of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, we've got a real simple program. Um, basically, what we do is we start with drags. Once we get the dog using his nose correctly, then we'll start to move on to blood. Okay. And we basically simulate everything exactly the way it is for a bow hunter. Yep. So sometimes you get a lot of blood on impact. Sometimes you get specks. If you're, if you're a hunter, you know that every time you shoot a deer, things change. So we'll start them off on a successful run at 10 or 15 yards. And then we gradually grow the track to 200 yards, okay, and then we start to come back and we'll lay specs, we'll lay a lot of blood where maybe a deer is laid down, go back to specs until that, until that dog just is a machine. So it's, it's just the repetitive motion of what you're doing. And you start very small and you work huge. That's awesome. Yeah. That yeah. is really good. Yeah. And I think that's the big popular thing nowadays, right, is, is people that get a dog and they're like, oh, they get a beagle or they get some sort of hound. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to train them to do, I'm going to train them to do scent tracking. Yeah. Right? And it's not easy. No. At all. No. I mean, it's not something that, that you, like, as just if you're looking, making a family dog, and that's how you're training them to go out and do that unless you have the techniques that you're, that you're working exactly. with. Exactly. So. Well, and the main thing you need is you need blood. Yeah. So I work with a um, local grocery store that will drain blood and um, when they're butchering. That's awesome. And I just go buy the blood, and we just get after it. And what a lot of people don't realize is when, when a dog gets on the blood trail, what makes the dog different than the human is when the blood disappears, each, each deer has an individual ID gland. So they start to smell the gland with the blood. And they associate They sure do. Uh. So when your, when your blood disappears, they still got the scent of that, that gland. That's cool. Yeah. So they, uh, they're able to find that deer. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, 
So I've yeah. seen a lot, of, a lot of puppies rolling around here. A lot of people buying the dogs at the show today, which I think we see every year. You guys yeah. are right across. I think you guys are right across from the, uh, the from puppy the puppy tent. tent. Yeah. yeah, and you guys have been there for several years now. Yep. I think. Sure, How long yeah. have you guys been at the show? Uh, about ten years. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're awesome. And that, that's right. Actually, I heard about you guys through a friend of mine who who took his dog to you guys as well and okay. had an amazing experience. But we see all these puppies running around, and and I always wonder, like, just from your perspective, like. What what are the what are the don'ts? Like you, you got you got all these people with these new puppies. Maybe thinking they're going to hunt a dog, and, or just general and be, obedience. But what are, what are like the common mistakes that people make? Sure. Okay. So when we get a puppy, there's they're so cute, they're so lovable, they can't make any mistakes, and and, and folks coddle the dogs. Okay. Yeah. So they're constantly coddling these dogs when they need to take this negative experience, whether the puppy's chewing. And they're letting them chew their hands, uh, they're peeing, or they're not supposed to. They accept it. Every time you have a dog that's got a behavior that's, that's, that is not acceptable, and when the dog becomes 65, 70 pounds, now it's not a joke. The dog's not cute, and the dog's having bad behaviors. Yeah. So I think the main thing when, when you get these puppies is to start them young with structure. Teach these puppies structure. When they start to grow and you start to walk them into heel, if that dog starts to walk out in front of you, he is now leading you. He's now becoming the, the dominant right. member of the pack. People don't realize, oh, he's just getting a little ahead of me. Well, there's a reason he's getting a little ahead of you. He's trained. He he's, was trained you, to do you, that. You got yeah. it. Yeah. And he's becoming the pack leader. Yeah. Now he's leading you. Yeah. So that's ultimately, that's when you see dogs that are being walked. They're leading the human, and they're barking. At everybody that's coming by, they're protecting their human. Now, okay, so so talking about um, walking dogs, what what are some good tips for people to start off with? Um, you know, I hear people talk about how you shouldn't, you know, put the put a collar on them and and, and use the collar to uh, to train the dog and do it that way. You should use a harness or you should use some sort of check cord or that kind of thing. What do you recommend? Okay, so what we do is we use a slippery a slip lead. Okay, so so basically it just loops around the dog's neck. And, it, and, and the, the cord goes right up to your hands, right? Keeps it up. Yes. So there's no, you don't have um, any disconnect, no collar hookups, no pinch collars. I don't use harnesses simply because I don't want to give the dog leverage on me. Mm-hmm. So I have it high behind the dog's ears, the slip lead, just like if I'm showing a dog. Okay, so that, every time that dog makes a move, good or bad, he knows just by the way I'm relaxing my lead. So... When we start these dogs off, so do you keep it? You do keep it taut the whole time? No, I, I don't. I keep it loose. Okay. So then, when the dog gets in front of me, then I can go ahead and pop that leash, gotcha. and I can let him know he's in the wrong spot. Gotcha. I use my physical body to change directions, such as take. I always keep them on the left side. When I go to move to the left, I drive my knee towards their face and move them in a circle. When we're walking forward, if the dog gets out in front of me, I, I make an abrupt, quick stop change directions so the dog stays focused on my knee gotcha that's his cue i don't want him in front of me i want him perfectly next to me now when you say next to you i think that can mean different things for different people sure do you mean that his head is right at your hip or that his hips are right at your hips basically i go by his head okay and if his nose is at my knee my left knee and he's roughly four inches away from my body he's perfect awesome good yeah, he's perfect good okay. and i don't want to feel him 
I don't want to look at him. I just want. You don't to want walk. him to hug you. You no. just want him to follow you. You got. It. I no. want him to stay right alongside of me. I've got my space. He's got his space. So what about rewarding dogs? Because okay. here, you know, there's a lot of people that use that use treats as a positive reward. What are what are kind of? Because I, I know if you're doing a hunting dog, um, I know a lot of times from what I hear at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But you don't want to use food necessarily as a reward for that dog because that's what they're going to be searching for as approval. Right. They Is become that, dependent on the food. Right. So uh, when, when all of a sudden your dog's out running, be it a bird dog or just an obedience dog, when the dog gets out 40, 50 yards, he knows if you have a treat or not. He can use his nose and know that, that you don't have it. And he's like, you're now, now you're not too interested. Right. So he's gone. Yep. And, until he can smell that, yeah. smell what he wants. He's, he's dependent on yep. the treat. So now I'm known as a non-treat trainer. Mm-hmm. I, I do a praise and reward system, Okay. So there's been a lot of scientific research done on the nerve endings of a dog's chest. So what they found out, when you rub a dog's chest, those nerve endings, it stimulates a portion of their brain that tells them you're very happy with them. Okay. Just like if you smack the dog's chest, he knows you're not happy with them. Okay. okay? So when I get a dog that's, that's a, a sit-stay situation, a down situation, I'll rub their chest, tell them how, how wonderful they are. And you know what? They're very accepting to that. They're good with that. You'll see them wagging their tails and saying, okay, yeah, the boss is happy with me. I don't have to give him a piece of meat to make him do what I want him to do. Yeah. No, that's I great. lead the dog. That is great. Yeah. So, so switching it a little bit. So when yeah. we're talking about hunting dogs, um, you know, there, there's a lot. There, there's a, that's much different than having a family pet, right, in regards to their work ethic and what they're looking for. What are some common mistakes that you see people making when, it, when it's coming to, maybe, maybe they're going to go to you over at Wing and & Shots and, and they want to bring their dog to you, but it's going to be like six months, a year down the road maybe. What are some things that they can do um, to prep them for that? But also, what are some common mistakes that you see that you have to do some extra work on to fix? Sure. So probably uh, when people call me and ask me, um, what can I do before I bring my dog to you because my dog's too young? Okay, we do a lot of work with all types of bird dogs on check cords. So to get, the, to get the ball rolling and to get things started, as soon as I snap a check cord on a dog and they start to run, they are so worried about that check cord that they're dragging that that's all they're worried about. They're yep. just turning around, biting the check cord. They're spinning around. They're very uncomfortable with it. So I tell everybody, make sure your dog gets used to dragging a cord huge i mean it's huge it just puts me that much faster along so like when they're around the house leave a leave a leash on them yeah so when they're that around could be, the that could be on the collar that could be around the waist what do you what do you recommend around the collar around the collar so basically uh, what i like is a 20 foot check cord and when the dog is running around in the backyard okay and you ask that dog to come here I always make sure that my foot is right around that check cord. So when I say here, I step on that cord. And if and he doesn't he come, I reel him in like a fish. Yeah. So every time I say here, you're coming to me. Yeah. So if you say here, 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 come, and the dog's running all over the place, now you've created a habit. Gotcha. That's what the dog, you know, uh, this guy's going to tell me 10 or 11 times before he actually takes action. Yeah. So when I tell the dog here, I make sure that I'm around that check cord so my command means something. Gotcha. So when so, they come to me, a lot of times that's that's not working. All right, so I'm going to try to get some free advice here. This is, yeah, hold on, this is, this is where I'm getting to. I'm getting some free advice here. You got to <laughs> I have a beagle. I knew that was coming. <laughs> okay. She was the best dog I've ever had. I mean, when she was young, 
I got to, you know, use her rabbit hunting and everything. She could be on a rabbit. I would whistle. She'd come back to me. Okay. Come off a rabbit. I know a lot of beagles won't do that. Sure. So she did that for years. Then she got older. She injured her her knees. You know, beagles have problems with knees. So we've quit hunting, and she's the family dog. You know, my, my wife's pride and joy. You know, the rule was when I was hunting, if one of us was going to come home, it better be the dog. So anyway, now she's an 11-year-old beagle. And she'll be out in the field. I'll be like, Sadie, come. She'll look at me like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm 11 years old, dude. Right. I'm done with all that. She'll, she'll mosey back slow as can be. Yeah. Is that just normal for dogs as they get old? I mean, yeah, especially if you see they're sluggish and they're, they're, la- they're lazy. Yeah, right? she just, yeah, yeah she, it's just so funny. She'll like, she'll like, she's sniffing. She'll look down. She'll look at me like. Yeah, I'm not bothering you. Well, it's, a, it's funny you say that because we, we have a 14-year-old beagle at home, too. And, and when she was younger, she would listen and oh, all that kind gosh. of stuff. But now it's like you let her outside, and you're like, well, you better plan for a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you just got to live with that, right? They, they live a good life. I, I look at like, hey, when I'm, when I'm 70, 75 years old, I'm going to do what I want to do, too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. I for love sure. it. So, so we talked about what you should do. What shouldn't people do? If they're if they're wanting to hunt their dog, they get it as a puppy, what shouldn't they do in those early months? Well, there's a lot of controversy on this one, but when you have a pointing dog, I don't like them to sit. And the reason why is when you when you woe train these dogs, mm-hmm. first thing yeah, first thing they'll they do down. is they'll sit down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just they want to turn the pressure off. They want to make you happy, so they sit. So I'm big on not sitting. Um, I'm also... Now, do you train them? Do you stack them in, in regards to making them stand on all fours oh, for absolutely. a certain length of time, yeah. even, like, even when they're puppies? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm big, on, I'm, I'm big on place boards. I love my place boards. Yeah. Uh, I love to teach the dogs to stand. So what is... Explain a place sure. board, though, because I don't think a lot of people know Okay, what so a place board is basically two inches off the ground. It's roughly 18 inches wide by 30 inches long, a little bit bigger than the average dog. And it's very, very easy for a dog to understand that when they come up on that two inches and they stand there, you're teaching them, whoa, when they come off, they're picked up and put back on that board. So they, learn, they don't like to be picked up. Dogs don't like to be picked up. So when they're put back on this board a couple times, they start to get it. They start to understand, well, that's a foundation for me. So if folks do that at home, they teach these dogs. It makes it that much easier for them when, when they come to me. Awesome. But again, puts me that much faster. Awesome. So no sitting. No sitting. No tug of wars. Yep. We don't want to create that a, hard mouth. New. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, we don't want to ripping up a bird. Right. You know, or making it a game with now, the handler. Can you train that out of a dog though, or is that one of those things? Because I've heard that once a dog has a hard mouth, it's nearly impossible to train it out of them. Uh, no. If, if you force fetch to retrieve that dog, you can fix his mouth. Okay. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Yeah. I can't. You can. I can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's definitely uh, the conditioned retrieve. Okay. You know, so 
Obviously, it's it's a lot more aggressive method, sure. but it's it's the way to do it. If you want sure. a professional retrieve, you have a hard mouth, soft mouth, sloppy mouth. You you need to have a conditioned retrieve done. Awesome. So you guys use a certain technique. Like there there's a there's a national style, right? Like there's a what is it, the NA? Uh, uh, what, okay, so the force fetch retrieve. There's three basic methods. Okay. One is the toe hitch. Okay. Or nerve hitch. One is the ear pinch. Okay. And then one is the e collar. Gotcha. So what we use is we use the uh, toe hitch, 14, 15 days of the toe hitch, we transfer over to the e-collar. And the reason I do that is because when I have a dog that's in the water, I want to be able to communicate with that dog while he's away from me. Gotcha. I don't want to be running through the water. It's too cold. Me grabbing toes. <laughs> right, right. No, that makes sense. Right? So, it does. Uh, so the e-collar is just a fantastic way to do it. Uh, so Q1 is the toe hitch, Q2 is the e-collar. Good. Now, is there, is there, because everybody, I mean, if you're going to have a hunting dog, you should have some sort of e-collar, right? Out Absolutely. What do you recommend? What are, dog you, what are you using? Dogtra. Dogtra? Dogtra, Certain yeah. one or no? Uh, I use um, what's called the 2500 TNB, which okay. is a trainer beeper. Yeah, that's uh, kind of the common one I think you see out in the stores, right? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Uh, so Wing and Shot sells them as well. Okay, so awesome. if you, Yep, so if you guys ever need them, um, we've got them. Um, that's got the beeper on it, the locator on it. That's where they, they stand still, you, it'll start beeping? Yes. Right? Yeah. Also, it, you can set it on a mode where the dog's hunting, and you'll hear it beep, beep, so you know where your dog's at. You can turn it off, put it on silent, point only. Okay. Uh, you can, it's got a locator on it, so when the dog's running, you don't see the dog. You can hit the button, you know where he's at. Awesome. Yeah, so Good. for sure. And you know what? The, the, as far as these e-collars are concerned, uh, they're, they're just the best thing there is. If, you're, if you train your dog and condition your dog to an e-collar, condition, and that, that's huge. Teach the dog how to turn the pressure off, not hurt the dog. If your dog is screaming and right. hurting, you're doing it wrong. Right. This is just a way for us to, to it's communicate. It's an attention grabbing, right? That's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. And you're, you're trying to teach the dog in, in 1.5 seconds so that he understands what you're asking. You know, when you're sending a lab on a line drill and you're asking him to go to second base mm-hmm. and he decides to cut over and go to first base, mm-hmm. you give him e-collar pressure and Until get him back online. Back on yes. Base. He okay. understands that if he's, if he's been conditioned properly. Awesome. So it's not to hurt the dog. Yeah, no, and I think that's what yeah. we talked about when, when I brought my dog to you is the same thing. Is it, and you actually told me the level because I have a dog truck, yeah, yeah. Same, same one that you have, and you told me exactly what level to put it at. How do you figure out that right level? Because I, I think sure. one of the common things people do is, like, they don't know if it's working yep. until they see the dog react. But when the dog reacts that, with that instant, it, it, it's, all, it's too much at that point, Right. right? Right, and so we had so okay so go so that particular collar the twenty five hundred goes from zero to one hundred and twenty seven. Didn't we have arrow on one twenty seven? <laughs> he probably <laughs> he probably needed it at right. first. <laughs> no doubt. No. My wife puts me on one twenty seven. <laughs> so so basically, what you do is you set the you set the dial at zero, the real real stat at zero. You push the constant button and you turn the dial up. And as soon as the dog turns his head right, turns his head left, looks up a little bit. That's, that's exactly you know. where we want to be. Okay. We've got his attention. We're not hurting him. He just feels something. Yep. That's where you start. Then if you have a dog, that once you get him on birds, things change. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to end up doubling it. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably yeah. going to double it. Okay. You know, uh, you get a dog that's not 100% broke and, you know, you miss a pheasant. He's hell-bent for leather chasing that pheasant. Yep. You might have to dial him up a little bit because he's, you know, he's, he's crazy about that bird. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Good. Awesome. So is there a specific breed that you like to work with? I know you work with them all, so don't get I do. me wrong. I do, and I'm so not I, biased towards I, any. I love all of them. Okay, lo- there you go. <laughs> Politically, I uh, like yep, it. I love the Swamp Collies. <laughs> I love the Shag Dogs. I love them all. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, uh, I've ran English Pointers personally uh, for about 15 years, and uh, the work that the breeders have done with the German short hairs over the last 10 years is just I'm very impressed. Some of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, we're talking about my dog, by oh, the way. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm not It was it. funny. I think the funniest thing is when, because when, you have a Facebook page, and anybody that takes their dog to you for training, you post pictures, which I absolutely love. Because, sure. you know, you're, you're, leaving, you're leaving your buddy for a month. I mean, absolutely. My, my dog was with you for a full month. Yes. But you get to see him online, right? So yeah. they'll post pictures. You get to see how he's doing and all that kind of stuff. And I thought yeah. it was the funniest thing is like, when, when my dog, you had him out in the field, and he was on point. And uh, somebody commented on it. How did you te- teach a coon hound how to, yeah. how to point? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you got you, you got to tell him how the dog's marked. I mean, he's he, what black and tan. He looks well, like that's a coon. True. No, that is he yeah. does. He His paint color. job. Everybody everybody thinks he's a he's a coon hound. Yeah. Everybody. So, yeah. but it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of funny. So, yeah. man, we really appreciate you joining us today, Fred. Oh, sure. Again, it's it's wing and shot. Um, go check him out. Great training. My personal trainer. So I am a personal trainer, not physically, but for my dog. <laughs> and uh, no, we really appreciate you. Oh, thanks out. for having me. Thank you, thank you for spending the time with us. Thank so. you. It's Jamie from the BHP Podcast. Wanted to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors: Skullhooker Racks Inc., Vanguard Outdoors, Beyond the Ears Crossman, and Stealth Cam. These sponsors are the rock behind our awesome podcast. Make sure and check them out. Hey guys, can't get enough of the Bowen Plant Podcast? You need more episodes? Well, check us out on Patreon.com. Go to patreon.com slash Podcast to join the Golden Arrow Club and get exclusive access to new episodes every week. Celebrating the rich tradition of bow hunting for over 31 years, Vanguard is proud to be the official optic and hunting pack of Bowhunter Planet. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.